Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what's up, man? Not too much, Mike. And uh, today we're going to be talking about some of our favorite deck types or archetypes on EDH Rec, which is the uh, premier Commander information website and the company I work for now. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's true, even if they're not paying you to say it. They're not. Um, well, then there you go. Uh, so that's that's the best part. Um, it's true, and it's just true. Uh, with that, we're talking about. Like, I think at this point we've we've done several episodes. This is actually episode thirty-one. I think we're gonna do in the release schedule. It's pretty defined as far as where we typically go Mm -hmm. as far as deck archetypes but going into the cards that are often in that archetype and literally having the math and synergy percentages to back it up these are the cards that you typically find in these decks is something kind of cool that we can examine and i think there's a couple of cards on there at the same time that we might not necessarily run as much as the numbers indicate that people normally do and i think it's fun to explore that kind of idea yeah, absolutely um we're going to be going through the top commanders and the top synergy cards for each archetype um but before we start synergy means something very specific on edh mm-hmm. rack if you don't know uh, synergy is specifically referring to the uniqueness of the presence of that card in that archetype uh, specifically in reference to it not showing up in other archetypes. So if you have a card that is only run in an archetype and no other ones, it would have very high synergy. But if it's run sure. in every deck of any archetype, like Soul Ring, that would have very low synergy. because Not because it's not played, because it is. It's played everywhere. So no specific archetype really lays claim to it. So we're going to talk about the high synergy cards um, in, in each archetype, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the how unique it is across all archetypes and then how common it is to be put in the archetype that we're actually concerned with. Yes. So let's go ahead and start with, I'd say, probably the biggest theme that we hit collectively mm-hmm. as a podcast, and that's group hug. So as far as EDH Rec is concerned, they have qualified 906 decks on their site as specifically this is a group hug deck um with that it runs it's about the 50th most i guess we're gonna say documented uh type of deck that popped well because here's the thing i don't want this to be something where it's a oh well there's less of it it makes it less popular i because some of these decks it's oh it's a group hug deck and maybe there's not as many different types of group hug decks because there's not many different types of group hug commanders or specifically group hug commanders. But popular is still probably right. Let's uh, let's start with some of the top group hug commanders. We're going to go sure. down them pretty quickly. And then we're going to move over to the uh, top cards by Synergy in the group hug archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I'm going to have to take the lead because these are my boys right here. Uh, Canaris <laughs> and Tira Melitis. 
This yeah. is the top group hug commander. They're in 373 group hug decks. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was my first deck I ever made um, mm-hmm. for commander. And it's just awesome. So Kness and Tiramaletus is uh, red, green, white, blue for a 2-8 legendary creature human soldier. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card from their hand onto the battlefield. Then each opponent who didn't, basically the way it works is that everyone at the table may either play a land from their hand, put it onto the battlefield, excuse me, or draw a card. And then I, as the controller of KNT, do both. And that's Mm -hmm. the beginning of my end step. Very simple. And Mike, this is just great value and it can go a lot of different directions. And my deck is, is very generic group hug good stuff value it was my first deck um but i love it so much mike it's it's what a great group hug commander and i just want to call out k and c both men and they love each other uh as gay men and that's just fantastic it is it is an awesome card it is an awesome message and it is in a tier by itself as far as group hug is concerned with 373 decks our next closest one is at 153 with uh, kind of a surprising one, but I get it because the card can do literally everything. everything. Kenrith, yeah, Kenrith the Return King, four generic and a white for a legendary creature, human noble, five five. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Here we go. Pay a red. All creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn. Very Pay nice. one generic and a green. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. Two and a white. Target player gains five life. Three. And a blue, target player draws a card. Four and a black, put target creature from a graveyard onto the battlefield under its owner's control. It does literally five different things, mm-hmm. but more importantly, it's target. So target or it's all. not just yeah, it, it's yeah. it's all creatures gain trample and haste, and it's an ability that doesn't require you to tap Kenrith, so it's always available. Right. But plus one, plus one counter on target creature, target player, target player, creature from a graveyard onto the battlefield under its owner's control. So I get that this could be group hug, but when I think Kenrith, I don't necessarily think group hug first. So it's kind of surprising me that it's in this many group hug decks. That's very true, Mike. Kenrith is, like Hansi, but even to a greater extent an extremely generic commander. And that doesn't mean boring. That means that he can be built in a very wide variety of different deck archetypes. Um, Group Hug really isn't the first one that comes to mind. Of course, it's the first one that came to mind for me when I saw Kenrith. Mm -hmm. Um, And why I incidentally decided not to build him was because if you look at the costs of these activated abilities, they get very high very quickly. Um, For example, if I want to give a player a card that's four mana, three and a blue, that's a lot. So Kenrith Mm -hmm. really excels as a payoff card for generating infinite mana, which is a perfectly fine way to build a deck, but that's not really how I like to build my decks. And if you're not making an infinite mana, Mike, this is pretty slow. That's why I ended up deciding not to make one. Yeah, that's reasonable. I've thought several times that it might be interesting, because I want to make a Thantis deck really bad, because I just think it's an interesting commander to have to play with. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, as a group slug, everybody attack, let's speed up the game, let's do some stuff that I don't I don't want this to be a combo game. I want this to let's go. Um I've thought several times of making a Thantis deck and it's actually just a Kenrith deck. <laughs> um because the idea of, oh you know what? We're gonna do things that encourage combat. By the way, now everything has trample and haste. Let's go. Right. Um 
but so at the same time combat. Yeah, yeah. kind of. And I, I like I love it. And then, hey, mana sinks, all that, et cetera, all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get why this is here. Um, I think we close out here with would you say this is the most group hug of group hug cards as far as commanders are concerned? Yeah, I mean, or is this, that... this isn't the first group hug card ever printed. That goes to Howling Mind. But this is the sure. first group hug commander that was ever yeah. printed. Um, and that's Feldegriff, my boy. Yeah. My good, good boy. My, tell me about Feldegriff. So this is the goodest hippo. The goodest the goodest Feldegriff is the actual creature type, yes. which is still one of my favorite Feldegriff things. is the creature type. Uh, it's one generic white, blue, green, so Bant, for a 4-4 that says pay a white it gains flying until end of turn target opponent gains two life for a blue you can return feldegriff to its owner's hand and target opponent may draw a card or you can pay a green and you give another player a one one green hippo which is still my favorite thing um and feldegriff gains trample until end of turn Mm -hmm. it is I'll say this. I know Rachel Weeks has a Feldegriff deck that is in her in her statement, it's not good, but it does win. It catches people off guard because if you can generate a ridiculous amount of mana, great. I'm gonna give somebody 41 ones in a turn. By the way, every time you get a creature on the battlefield under your control, you lose a life. Stuff like that. Right. Um but I like Feldegriff just because of the silliness of, hey, you want five tokens? Here you go. Let, let's 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 do some let's do some giving of some hippos. Let's give some people some life to keep them in the game. Do you need a card? Oh, you're doing something bad to me. Well, I'm gonna put Feldegriff back in my hand. Um, and you know what? You've been cool. Why don't you have a card? It's such a silly commander. Yeah, I mean it's important to note that. I mean, obviously, Commander didn't exist when Feldegriff was printed, so Group Hug didn't exist as an idea. But for the longest time, this was the premier Group Hug Commander, and I think, in a way, it still is the most iconic one. Um, in popularity, it's certainly been supplanted by KNC, and I think KNC is more versatile sure. and has a lot of great options. But Feldegriff is the OG, Mike, and uh, it's great yeah. to see it. Now, $45, I think this needs a reprint, but it's on the reserve list, so that's never going to happen. The uh, weird thing is that, like... That price, I don't know when it spiked, but it was recent enough. People just buy cards out, Mike. Because there was a couple of years ago where I bought this card mint, and I think it was like $10, which is still expensive for a card that's not been reprinted. Don't get me wrong. But for it to jump to 40 plus, I, I... Wow, I don't, yeah. I don't understand it. That's uh, proxy your Feldegrips, people. Don't, don't spend forty five dollars on your hippo. No. Um, let's look at some of these high synergy cards, Mike. Starting with yeah, Rites sure. of Flourishing, which oh, is yeah. a uh, green enchantment that's in ninety four percent of group hug decks that it can fit into, which means mm-hmm. it is ninety two percent synergy. That means that only eight percent of the decks that it's in are not group hug decks, which makes a lot of sense, Mike. Sure. Uh, Rites of Flourishing two and a green for an enchantment at the beginning of each player's draw step. That player draws a card. So you get two cards on your draw step. And each player may play an additional land on each of their turns. So, Mike, mm-hmm. those are just the two things that every player wants to do. Every player wants to draw cards. Every player wants to ramp lands. And this just helps everyone do it. That is the true essence of group hug. Sure. And what I, I this is not a card that I think you play unless 
you're playing group hug right maybe a lands deck just to have a three mana enchantment that says play another land each turn yeah, maybe um but in a lands deck you're trying to accrue more value than everybody else that's kind of your whole deal right so so you're not going to play a card that puts everybody on the same page unless you're also getting additional value which means that it's yeah, it's a decent card, but there's probably better that you can put into your 99. Uh, I love this card, and it's in several of my decks. And Absolutely. Yeah, they're all group hug in some way, shape, or form. It just gets work done. This is... It's not going to put any individual person ahead. It's just mm-hmm. going to get the game rolling. It's a very nice right. three-drop card. Absolutely. Um, the next one does surprise me a little bit that it's... Again, we talked about synergy and how unique it is to that particular theme. I can't believe that people don't play Dictate of Crucifix in other archetypes that care about drawing cards or other people specifically drawing mm-hmm. cards, especially if it's not on your turn. Uh, one generic blue blue for an enchantment with flash that says at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player draws an additional card. So it's Howling Mine with Flash. Right. For an extra mana. Yes. I've I've seen so many different, like, Nekusar cares so much about other people drawing cards. The, what is the snake-making uh, commander from uh, last Zyrus. year? Zyrus, thank you. I understand they care more about wheels, but at the same time, it's extra cards. You just want people right. picking up cards for every reason. And, I, I mean, I get it. This isn't the most insane value, but having Flash, it's... It seems a little weird to me that it's it's so fixated on group hug. Well, I think that a lot of people probably who would have considered running this moved over to Kumena's Awakening when that got printed in Rivals of Ixalan, which is a very similar card to Blue Blue for an enchantment with a send at the beginning of your upkeep. Each player draws a card. If you have the city's blessing, instead only you draw a card. So for one more mana, later in the game it becomes a asymmetric card draw which i think for a lot of people is what they want but obviously for you and me we like it when other people draw cards so sure that makes sense it just i i would expect it to i i'm not saying it doesn't belong in group hug i'm Mm -hmm. not even saying that it belongs in more other archetypes for it to be the second most synergistic card in group hug especially when you go to the next one it's like i don't know anybody who's casting this other card I don't know anybody who's casting our next card that isn't playing Group Hug. Right. Uh, Collective Voyage is yeah. a sorcery for a single green mana. Joint Forces. We we talked about Joint Forces in our last episode, Mike. And mm-hmm. uh, what a fun effect. Starting with you, each player may pay any amount of mana. Each player searches their library for up to X basic land cards, where X is the total amount of mana paid this way. Uh, that's uh, all players combined. And puts them onto the battlefield tapped and then shuffles their library. That's a... Uh, in 79% of all group hug decks that it can fit in with 78% synergy. The only reason that I would play this in a deck that wasn't a group hug deck is if I was mono green and I was playing against a lot, like unless I knew I was playing against a lot of decks that Mm -hmm. were going to also be mono colored, just because then you're typically running less basic lands. You're you're, you've got a couple of them. So maybe you can outvalue them in the long term. Now I, but at the same time, it's so good. <laughs> I tend not to run very many basics unless my deck is two colors or fewer. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I only have a single two-color deck, my Simic deck, and that deck runs 
No, I have a couple of two-color decks. They both run uh, like 15 to 20 basics. But sure. once I'm up to three colors, I'm like basically trying to run as few basics as I possibly can. Um, okay. So that being the case, and I think a lot of players like myself have very greedy mana bases because we want to fix. We want to make sure our decks run. And so if you're running a non-group HUD deck and you play this and people put in without considering how many basics they have left in your deck, maybe they have three or four left, but you know for a fact that you have 20 left, uh, right. you're going to come out on top easily. Yeah, the and and then it gets into a how well do you know your deck and everything. I hope you know your deck. Because it's a sorcery and you cast it, what typically happens is, okay, great, I'm going to cast this spell and I'll play, I'll pay for four. The issue is that there's a very, very likely chance that everybody else at the table can just go, yeah, I'll take four lands for nothing. Thanks. Well, that's that's the point. Is I, We talked about this in our previous episode about the mechanics. I think that your best bet on this is to use it when people have untapped mana and then don't pay anything into it or pay like one. Mm-hmm. Because if you pay enough into it that people can shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, I'll take four lands, then... That's fair. I don't. I don't think you've successfully cast a spell for the purposes that that I would want to be casting it. But let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm. I'll tell you what. You said let's keep going. I'm absolutely going to make you read this next. Oh, fair I enough. Know about how much you love it. Okay. So this is Quain, itinerant meddler. I didn't expect to see this card on here. For white and blue, it is a legendary creature, rabbit wizard. It's a one three, with the activated ability tap. Each player may draw a card. Then each player who drew a card this way gains one life. And uh, this is in 77% of group hug decks that it can be in with 77% synergy. Mike asked me to read this card, not because it's a rabbit wizard or because it's Howling Mine, but because when we reviewed uh, this card in our Commander set, uh, Legends, Commander Legends set review, I called it out a bit for being just so aggressively boring as a group hug card, which... As, Com- as a group hug card. Right. Because Rabbit Wizard is kind of cool. It is cool. But the rest of it is just... Commander Legends brought us a lot of extremely interesting and unique cards. And even some nice group hug cards for us. But Quain, to me, it feels that this design is very boring. It feels that I would never be excited about playing this. And indeed, I got the opportunity to play Quain a few weeks ago when I drafted Commander Legends in my local game store. And uh, it it simply was not a very interesting deck. And I won't necessarily blame the set designers for that. I'm not a very good drafter. But I think I knew ahead of time that this is just... It's a card that does one thing. Exactly one thing. You decide when you want people to draw a card. Usually, in my experience, you tend to want to do it at the end of the uh, player's end step before the beginning of your turn. Or if somebody needs a card right away, you can cut a deal. But mm-hmm. that's really about it. There's not a ton of like super interesting things you're doing with this, Mike. Yeah, I and mean, it's okay. Great, it's I mean, Temple we, Bell. We, we, yeah, we talked about it. It's Temple Bell as a commander or as a creature. Which, okay, sure, I guess. Right. Um, admittedly, I made you uh, read that card because yes, it. I know it bothers you, um, and I, I want to give you a bothers chance. Bothers me. It just I'm disappointed. Yeah, that it's just that it disappoints you. That's fine. I'm disappointed, uh, Quinn. Um, but there's that, and because I very much wanted to make sure that I was the one who got to read our last card here, oh. because we both love it so this much. This is one of my favorite uh, cards in the whole game. Yeah, let's talk about Veteran Explorer. Hooray! One green for a one-one. 
for a human soldier scout that says when veteran explorer dies each player may search their library for up to two basic land cards and put them onto the battlefield then each player who searched their library this way shuffles it let's keep in mind that at no point in that statement did i ever say the word tapped you sure did mike it's so good i think i have four green decks this is in every single one um, I like to call this card my personal soul ring because sure. it's one mana and it ramps for two, except instead of just ramping me for two, it ramps yeah. the whole table for two. And Mike, when this card hits the table and eventually finds a blocker to throw itself against or somebody can remove it or you can sacrifice it or any way to destroy it because, right, you can't just get rid of it when you want to. Somebody has to have something for you to swing into or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But once that happens... The game just is off to a rapid and healthy start right away. And that's one of my oh. favorite parts of Group Hug. We discussed this when uh, when we had our good friend Dana Roach on, that one of the best parts of Group Hug for me personally is allowing people's decks to function even if they don't have a very good deck. And this card does exactly that, Mike. It does. And... I've actually found something with this in, in a couple of recent games because, I, like you, I, I have this card in just about every deck that I can put it in. Mm-hmm. because it's, I just, it's incredible. I personally have a ramp issue. I have to have more of it than any person should have. I just, <laughs> I, I would rather have, I would rather have 30 lands on the battlefield with no cards in hand than have a hand of 20 cards with no max hand size right. and four lands on the table. Like I just give me, give me all of the real estate. Um, I have a similar but, issue. Like I, I love to ramp and I love to draw too, but I don't love to run card draw spells. I love to run ramp spells though. Like this one. That's fair. Um, one of my favorite things that I've done with veteran Explorer in a, not a, not a CDH game, not like a hyper competitive game, okay. but like a more competitive game. Like we were, playing at the table and we had prizes picked out right mm-hmm. i played veteran explorer on turn one and then i just held on to it because one of the things that happened is people asked me hey are we going to pop that and i'm like you know what <laughs> not yet we're we're, we're gonna Ooh, chill you're teasing them is, and, and here's the thing it made it to where people, believe it or not, chose not to attack me. Because I was just like, ah, I don't know. We'll see what I get in my hand next turn. Because I just didn't have the hand that was really going to take advantage of it. And everybody else was really eager for it. So they didn't attack me because that just meant there was one less person that I could attack the veteran explorer into when it came to my turn if I got the right card in hand. And it was it was kind of weird. It's and an eventually, I. Yeah, eventually I did just get a Nationals altar, and I was like, "Oh, well, great! Then I'll just do this whenever I want. Perfect That's totally deal. fine." Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a very cool card. If you don't run it, you should throw it into a deck. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a group hug deck. Obviously, there's a high synergy here, but it's such a cool card that transforms the game. We've had several streams where you can catch us at Twitch.tv/NerdWorksMedia, and there's such a cool thing where. You play this card, and the the other people at the table go, light up. oh, yeah, okay, like, you change the math oh, on it's, everybody's it's hand. that kind of deck. We're going to have a good time tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's that's why we love it, and that's why I'm very happy that it's in the top five. Absolutely. 
All right, so those are the top five synergistic cards with group hug and some of the more, you know, well, not some of, like the literally the most uh, commonly played commanders when you're talking about group hug. But sometimes you just want to see the world burn or flip over crazy stuff or shuffle everything that's on the battlefield into everybody else's hands and exchange control stuff. Let's talk chaos. Let's go. Talk to me about some of the most chaotic commanders, Alex. Sure, Mike. Uh, so at the top, we have what I would not expect to be here, because to me, this doesn't really seem like chaos. This seems like a coin flip. And that's a Okan Eye of Chaos partnered with Zinder Split Eye of Wisdom from mm -hmm. Battlebond. Um, so Okan Eye of Chaos is a 3-3 legendary creature Cyclops Berserker for four red. Uh at the beginning of combat on your turn, flip a coin until you lose a flip. Whenever a player wins a coin flip, double Ocon's power and toughness until end of turn. Uh, mm -hmm. I've seen that rapidly dismantle people oh, uh, for sure. the power. And then uh, Zinner Split is a legendary creature homunculus for four and a blue. It's a one four. At the beginning of combat on your turn, flip a coin until you lose a flip. Whenever a player wins a coin flip, draw a card. So I guess in a way, coin flips are chaotic because you yeah. really can't control whether it comes up heads or tails. But when I think of Chaos Mike, I think of uh, some of these other commanders on the list um, that are a little bit farther down. I don't know if we want to move to those. Yeah, but it... It, let's, let's run through real quick here because just not to go in individually, these are the things, but Zinder Split and Okun, okay, coin flip, I guess there's a lot of cards that when they say flip a coin, a lot of different things can happen. Right. The next one listed is Zedru, which doesn't feel very chaotic to me. It feels literally controlly because you're exchanging control of things or right. giving things away. Uh, Krark and Sakashima of a thousand faces are the coin next flip. one. Yeah. It's just another coin flip yeah. and literally a card that copies the thing making coin flips, presumably. Right. Uh, before we get to Yidris, which is a cascade which, commander. Cascade, I guess Cascade right. could be, but that's I not really what I think with, uh, of. I had a word with the people at EDH Rec, because we were looking at the at the Chaos list, and mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, so many of these cards are Cascade, and I would think that Cascade would be its own archetype, uh, separate from, from Chaos, but sure. uh, I guess they have quite a bit of overlap, but Cascade, uh, as a reminder, is when you cast the spell... Uh, you'll reveal cards from the top of your library until you find a spell with a lesser mana value and then cast mm -hmm. that spell ahead of the ahead of the first spell. And that is chaotic, but it's really its own thing because Cascade's a very uh, very common keyword that shows up on a lot of different cards. Um, right. But it's not until after Yidris that we start to see some chaos cards that I'm like, oh yeah, here's a chaos commander. Like Norin the Wary. Yeah. Which is a commander for red one mana for a 2-1 legendary creature human warrior whenever a player casts a spell or a creature attacks exile nor in the wary and then return it to play under its owner's control at the end of turn mike this to me this is a chaos commander whenever a player does a thing right <laughs> it's so like so you constantly just have this trigger going off all the time mm -hmm. and it works well with Chaos decks, number one, because it's red. Yes. And I think we can all agree, if there's one color that's going to be in Chaos deck, it's red. And specifically because 
chaos decks like to do a lot of wacky things like mm-hmm. exchange control of permanence and wipe the board and shuffle everything into people's libraries and draw out cards. But whenever that would happen, Norin is gone. So you'll get him back at the end of turn and it won't be, you know, something you have to give up all the time. So I think this mm-hmm. Norin makes a lot of sense as a chaos commander. And also it's great because he's super cheap. Yeah. 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 I like him, And I, 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 I'm, I'm sure there's other ways to construct this deck other than I'm going to get out Norin and Perforos and right. hurt people every time that somebody does a thing and then get him back. But, you know, at the same time, it's just a fun commander idea. Now, there I, is I like an, another one after Norin that uh, is coin flip, but to me, this is much more chaotic than normal coin flip mm-hmm. deck. Mike, tell me about Rakdos. Yeah, this is the showstopper. Uh, this is four generic black red for a 6 6 flying trample demon. Demon! Uh, when Rakdos the showstopper enters the battlefield, flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon, devil, or imp. Destroy each creature whose coin comes up tails. Entertain me as the flavor text, which I'm a big fan of. Um, first of all, I love that it's not uh, flip a coin if you win the flip, destroy that creature. It's just no. Right. Rakdos decides all tails die. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. This is one of those cards that I love the idea of this being my commander just to say, you know what? I just want to have a hopeful board wipe. Whether or not I'm actually putting it onto the battlefield, I don't know. But obviously you can run your demons, devils, imps, stuff like that, and then flip coins and see what sticks around after the spell is... It's, it's a neat it's a neat card it certainly is um i think that that kind of lack of control of the outcome Mm -hmm. the specific outcome of the effect is really what exemplifies chaos but at the same time you're planning on on this happening so of course your deck can be primarily constructed out of devils and imps or maybe it's just not even a creature based deck and uh and in that case fractos works fine so let's move on to some of these synergistic chaos spells mike sure uh, let's see what we have here all right so mike a lot of these high synergy cards especially near the top of the list are very heavily into cascade which we did just mm-hmm. talk about so we're not really going to go into these very much because i'm very picky i feel that cascade is not chaos um, it can be it but can be. it's not yeah it's it's just its own thing really in my opinion right so first we have maelstrom nexus which is wooberg for an enchantment the first spell you cast each turn has cascade very cool. powerful emoti celebrant of bounty three green blue for a three one legendary creature nagadrud with cascade and it spells you cast with mana value six or greater half cascade apex mm-hmm. devastator eight green green for a 10 10 chimera hydra with quadruple cascade so you'll cascade four times when you cast it. And then, Mike, we finally get to a non-cascade card. Tell us about this one. Hey, we're there. So this is Nine Lives, which has some of my favorite card art in Magic. Mm-hmm. Just all of the Mufasas all the and the kitties. clouds. And, and then this regal cat just looking to the skies. Uh, one generic white-white for an enchantment with Hexproof. If a source would deal damage to you, prevent that damage and put an incarnation counter on nine lives. When there are nine or more incarnation counters on nine lives, exile it. When nine lives leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. <laughs> this is one of those cards that when it came out, I think there was a vast majority of people that just went, well, all right, I guess. It's a white and then there card. Was, 
there was I was there was a certain subset of people, and I know you and I were among right. them that were like, "Oh, Zedru loves this." Yeah, Zedru loves that. <laughs> now, yeah, if you were looking at this card and you're like, "Why the heck would I run that?" Like, Lich effects are bad. Well, consider that a lot of Chaos decks, Zedru included, but many other red decks love mm-hmm. to exchange control of permanents, and there's. Yep. No better permanent to exchange control of than one that you really don't want to have. For example, yeah. a card that when it leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It just also, nothing makes me happier than it has hexproof, but it doesn't have indestructible as an enchantment. Right. So it's just, okay, um, I'm going to destroy all enchantments. Oh, well, dang. <laughs> Nine lives is yeah, one of exactly. those cards. Uh, and then um, later on, we have yeah. some more coin flip cards, Planar Chaos. Yep. Is two and a red for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep. Flip a coin. If you lose the flip, you'll sacrifice Planar Chaos. And then whenever a player casts a spell, that player flips a coin. If they lose, counter that spell. This actually is pretty chaotic for a coin flip spell. I I do think this belongs here. This absolutely is something we could talk about more. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. Because you're hitting yourself, too. If you flip a coin and you lose the flip, you're countering a spell. This makes people very... Uh, unlikely to want to play their spells into it. They really just want to get rid of this. But if they try to get rid of it, they might just lose their removal spell, Mike. Mm -hmm. I think the whole point of playing a Chaos deck, and this goes against a lot of the the Magic the Gathering and Commander type of idea. The whole point of playing a Chaos deck is that when something is about to happen, it's the anticipation of, what is actually going exactly, to here. Exactly. And that is something that I think needs to be the feeling of the actual player playing that deck as well. Because otherwise it's just it's not really chaos. It's controlled chaos. And And that's something I else. I don't know. Yeah. That you know what that feels like? That feels like a deck that would have a whole lot of cascade in mm. it. Now here's a card that really to me, this is the mm, the quintessential this is the chaos card, my chaos warp. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> two and a red. This is not only is this the chaos card, but this is probably mm-hmm. the best mono red removal spell ever print, printed. Yeah. Uh, it's an instant. The owner of target permanent shuffles it into their library, then reveals the top card of their library. If it's a permanent card, they put it onto the battlefield. What a fun card to resolve, Mike. There is never a time when you resolve this card and everyone at the table is not just like 100% of their attention is on what that top card is going to be yep. because it could be anything. The best thing that I've ever seen with this card, and it was used against me, uh-huh. was I had a Martyr's Bond on the battlefield okay. with a whole lot of stuff that was going to be a problem. Just great. I'm going to be able to destroy a whole bunch of stuff. Martyr's Bond is going to make it. It's going to be great. Um, after that, nothing was better than that being Chaos Warped, shuffling my deck, giving it to the person who had the Chaos Warp, having them cut it, taking my deck, putting it back on my side, and revealing the Martyr's Bond again. Yeah, that's uh, so much fun. It's like a 1 in 70, 1 in 80 chance of happening, and it's always yep. a delight when it does. But We always freak. We, we all freak out. We're right. all like, what's going to be? And I love that that's stuff. That's Martyr's Bond. Yeah, that's, uh, it, it could always be your your uh, game ender it could always be your bloodstone yeah. losses whatever you have yeah. but it could be a land it could be a, a, a non-permanent spell and then you whiff it's it there's just so much excitement when this card resolves i love mm. this card and this like this is the essence of chaos to me yeah it's it's fantastic and the fact that it's just like you know what i'm gonna cast this on myself because i want to see what i get right. always good um 
that said, you you said that this is the epitome of chaos to for me. you, yeah. and it's it's got chaos in the name. Like you're very much there. Right. I want I want to I want to see your chaos warp, and I want to raise you a possibility storm. Yeah. Because when we talk chaos and what is the card going to be, nothing makes me happier than Possibility Storm because the only thing that's going to happen is what I'm playing is not going to be what I'm playing. Right. Uh, three generic red red for an enchantment that says whenever a player casts a spell from their hand, that player exiles it, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a card that shares a card type with it. That player may cast that spell without paying its mana cost, then puts all cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of their library in a random order. I'm going to cast this Veteran Explorer, except for this Veteran Explorer is going to be literally the next creature in my deck that is not a Veteran Explorer. I'm going to cast this Wrath of God. No, you're not. You're going to cast something else that's a sorcery. Possibility Storm is so much damn fun. It is, and I think that this both epitomizes the fun of chaos and also why so many people tend to have a negative attitude towards chaos. And that's because chaos is a very similar... It it is a kind of archetype that we love. It's an archetype Mm -hmm. that is political. It affects the whole board. It changes how the game is played, and it causes impactful things to happen that involve people at the table. But the way that Chaos does that, especially with cards like Possibility Storm, of which there are a lot of in Chaos, many, many effects like this, that it basically makes it impossible for you to play your deck. Your deck kind of plays itself, Mm -hmm. um, which can be really fun, but I think I understand why some people don't really like that. I do get that. I think... I think all games especially if it's with a group that isn't necessarily familiar with what type of deck you play Mm -hmm. or your play style or things along those lines i think that you should as a part of sitting down say hey my name is blank i'm gonna play this deck it does blank because i would hate playing against a chaos deck every game and you're not ready for it but i would love if every once in a while somebody says Hey, y'all want to get weird? Let's play chaos. I'm going to play yeah, my chaos. It's, it's a nice once cool? in a while thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally get it. Uh, Possibility Storm is silly and dope. And at the same time, yeah, I put cards in my deck because I want to play those cards. I get it. Righto. Uh, so with that, we're halfway through. So we're going to take a quick break here and we're going to come back with all of the stacks cards and the politics, the political themes right. with the synergy and commander. And we'll talk about those in just a moment. All right, we're back and we're talking stacks. We're talking stacks. Uh, we're talking so I'll tell you, stacks. Yeah. All right. Um, it's important to talk stacks. I understand. I get it. Mike has to take his vegetables. I, it's not my vegetables. It's not. It's like your Brussels sprouts. This is, you know what this is? This is me helping somebody move because like (laughs) I could not do it. Right. And I understand that it's something where, where they're going to have to move anyway. Maybe if I help them move, it'll go faster and they're my friends. So of course it doesn't mean I have to enjoy it at the same time, but you know what? We're, we're, 
we're going to lean into it a little bit. At the very least, it'll be a learning experience for me, and I can appreciate that. Talk to me about our commanders while I uh, I bite my thumb and 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 learn to embrace the moment. Yeah, you got it, Mike. Now, this top commander is no surprise, really, to anyone who's played commander. Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth, or G-A-A-I-V, as we like to call him. Uh, for two white-blue, it's a legendary creature, human advisor, a 2-3. White spells you cast cost one less to cast. Blue spells you cast cost one less to cast. And spells your opponents cast cost one more to cast. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's worth noting that this card is one of the saltiest cards that's ever been printed as voted on by the users of EDHREC. Salty meaning that they don't like it. What? A card that makes your stuff cost less than everybody else's stuff cost more is something that makes people salty? That's so weird. I don't know... Uh, this this is a card that if it hits the table in the 99, all right, you got me. Even if it's a stacks deck, fine, you got me. If I see somebody who brings this deck out and <laughs> this is the lead singer of their deck, I'm already in a position where, listen, you might be a wonderful human being, but I am going to judge you as a magic player for a while <laughs> until you prove me yeah, wrong. Yeah, this is a famous Stax Commander. If you're playing Stax in CEDH, there's a strong chance that you're playing this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, ugh, it hurts me. Shall we uh, move on down to Derevi? Yeah, and this is one that actually hurts me for a different reason. Uh, Derevi, Imperial uh, Tactician... Green, white, blue, so a three-mana bird wizard that is a 2-3 with flying that says whenever Derevi enters the battlefield or a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may tap or untap target permanent, but for one generic green, white, blue, put Derevi onto the battlefield from the command zone, which is a ridiculous ability by itself. It's never before or since. No, there's... The closest thing is... is, uh... Yumiko, but yes, even that's not the quite commander the same ninjutsu. thing, right? Yeah. Because this is an instant speed ability that is very difficult to stop from happening, and it also has that benefit where the commander tax is never increasing. Right, your your commander will always cast as either three or go onto the battlefield as an ability for four, which is awesome. Do you know what bothers me about this card, though? What's that? Obviously, the tapping down everything and getting it to a point where, oh, right, right, great, uh, you can't do anything. That I get that. What bothers me is that this card could be really cool as an untap effect for you to get value. And I'm going to untap my Gaius Cradle again or my Mana Rocks or I'm going to give this creature pseudo vigilance and all this cool stuff or put it onto the battlefield to give somebody a block that they didn't have earlier, etc. Mm-hmm. But that's never how it's going to be played. And more importantly, that's never how it's going to be perceived to be played. So I can't try and use this deck without having to get absolutely crushed into the ground for game upon game until I finally prove it. Yeah, Mike, this card is infamously oppressive. Uh, Just swinging in with a ton of triggers, a ton of tokens, and getting all of these tap downs completely locking people out. And then untapping all of your powerful lands and mana rocks to cast a ton of free spells. Uh, Derevi, and you just can't get rid of her. The only way to stop Derevi is to lock her down like an Imprison in the Moon um, kind of style effect. Now, 
the next card that we have is a different kind of stacks. It's not necessarily the kind of stacks that I play, but this is uh, sort of Playfair style stacks. Lavinia, mm-hmm. Azorius Renegade for white blue. She's a 2 2 legendary creature, human soldier. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with mana value greater than the number of lands that player controls. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was meant to cast it, counter that spell. Now, this is not very oppressive. This is basically saying, okay. Everybody play fair. Right, everyone play fair. (laughs) Uh, But deeper than that, it's saying that if you're ramping with artifacts or rituals or mana dorks, you're Mm -hmm. not ramping at all. Right. Or you can, but you're going to have to make sure you play it across multiple different spells instead of one big spell. And then things like uh, Force of Will, Cascade, like we talked about earlier, um, casting something from your graveyard without paying its mana cost or from the top of your library, casting your commander without paying its mana cost. Um, that's automatically countered by Lavinia. So yeah. very, this is white-blue, like Grand Arbiter Augustine, but I think it's a lot more fair than Grand Arbiter. Yeah, I. this is basically a, no, you will get no value unless you're jumping through a thousand hoops to do so. Like, you can cast spells that, you can use your mana rocks and such. It's just, by the way, as you're doing so, you're still got a restriction on it. Um, I This is actually kind of the stacks that I, I, I'm more comfortable with. Right. Because it's not stopping people from playing the game of Magic. It's encouraging people to play the game of Magic in a more fair setting. Or at least a more, I guess, as the original rules intended setting. I don't know exactly what to consider it there. But this is one of those decks that I've actually tinkered with a little bit. I haven't actually wanted to purchase the cards to play said deck. Because then I'd have it. Um, which means that we would probably play fairly well and then I'd want to play it because it's a decent deck and then I'd lean too far into the dark side and I'm very happy being uh, a good gray Jedi at worst. Um, but it's, it is a interesting card, especially as a stacks piece. Mm-hmm. So why don't we go ahead and lean into all of the high synergy cards for stacks. And with that, uh, there's... One that kind of stands out at the top, which, when it came out, it was pretty controversial, I think, in the EDH community, and then kind of tappered off, like most things do, uh, when we have a wonderful, wonderful community and a wonderful, wonderful format, but we get really mad, and then usually we calm down, uh, is what it seems like. Everything's the end of the world for Magic players, right? Yes, absolutely. Until the next end of the world thing. Exactly. We forget about the Remember the Walking Dead? You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, still not happy about it, but I'm much less concerned than I was. (laughs) Why don't you talk to me about our our, our Magistrate? You got it. So, classic hate bear right here. Dranith Magistrate, one and a white for a 1-3. Human Wizard, your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands. But now, that's where most spells come from. Exactly. Why are people so mad? Why are people so mad? If you're not a commander player or you don't play commander a lot, this may not immediately come to mind. But the main thing that this says, Mike, is that, I mean, where's the place that people love to cast spells that aren't their hand? The command zone for their commanders. Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah. this says that players can't cast their commanders. But right. it also says 
they can't cast spells from their library, from their graveyard, or from exile, um, or from other players' hands. Yeah. yeah. So this is a, a very effective hate bear, sure. and it makes a lot of sense that this is the top card for Stacks decks. Quick question for you. Do we think that people would be less angry about this card if it said players instead of your opponents? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I think that this is a... I agree with you. I yeah. just, I, I was I was kind of wondering there. Because it, it does stop people from doing the thing that most commander decks want to do. Cast their commander. I totally get it. But, uh, I, I, I I think I'm on the weird edge where it's like, you know what? If this said players, I'd probably actually be fine with it. I'm already fine with it, Mike, because, sure, this is oppressive. It says you can't cast your commanders, but... Sure. Like, this is a creature. It's a 1-3, like... Yep. And, oh, no, I can't cast my commander. Well, you know what? I can't cast a removal spell out of my hand, and then I can cast my commander. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here talking about how I hate this card. Right. It's more of the uh, stacks than it is the, whoa, this one's insane. Um, But, you know, at the same time. If it takes a removal spell to get rid of, that's one less removal spell that they have for your actual threat later. Well, which this is kind I guess of a threat. Is why it's there. Yo, for sure. Uh, let's talk about something that could be a threat, but really just to somebody having a good time. Uh, let's go with Aven Mind Sensor as our next card. Two generic and a white for a bird wizard. Two one with flying with flash. If an opponent would search a library, that player searches the top four cards of that library instead. Good luck with your tutors. Good luck with your fetch lands. Good luck with your anything that says go in your library because you're not going that far anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, we talked about this card recently during uh, a recent set review, and it wasn't because it was so good, even though it is. It was specifically because uh, there was a new card printed in black opposition agent that basically which, which we might get to later which we might get to that basically <laughs> makes this card uh i mean i wouldn't say obsolete but i would say no. completely outclassed in every way yes yep um but this card has existed for a very long time and oh, yeah. it's been frustrating players that entire this the fact that you can flash it in as soon as somebody casts their tutor spell or activates their fetch land, you can really just make it so it's almost impossible for them to find what they're digging for. And even if it only hits one person once, mm-hmm. I mean, that can that can be enough. Um, you know, part of the problem with hate bears and stacks pieces is that since they're on the board invisible, players can play around them, but you can't play around this, at least not the first time it comes out red. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, it's like again, it's a it's a creature, so it is subject to removal. It's a two one, all that stuff. This is really good at getting somebody once. So it's almost like a. Well, then it's going to chill I, the rest of their tutors. They're not going to cast any tutors. Yeah, I kind I kind of do the like. I almost consider if I'm playing this card, I almost consider it a pseudo counter spell mm-hmm. that is very specific to one type of counter. And tutors are worth countering. They are absolutely. I mean, we often hear the old adage, don't counter the tutor, counter the spell that they go to get. But Mm -hmm. if you don't even have to counter the tutor because they're not going to get to play it, then that's even better. 
That's true. Let's talk I'd, about uh, yeah. a uh, far, far more impressive card that also has a rattlesnake on it. Uh, Aura of Silence. This card is very, very mean. One white, white yeah. for an enchantment artifacts and enchantment spells. Your opponent's cast costs two generic mana more to cast. And then it has the activated ability, Sacrifice, Destroy Target Artifact or Enchantment. Now, those two abilities do function separately very well. But together, that's where the real chill comes in. And when I say chilling effect, what I specifically mean is not like, ooh, that's scary or that's spooky. When I say chilling effect, I mean that the effect is so threatening that it makes players not want to commit things to the board or cast spells because they're going to either have to spend too much mana or have it removed, or in this case, both. Can you imagine casting an artifact, a mana rock? Uh, you're casting your soul ring for three, and mm-hmm. then they blow it up. Yeah. At instant speed. I, you know, and here's the other thing about this that I, it's... Like, Seal of Cleansing is a one-mana-less card with the second ability of this mm-hmm. that I've put into decks before. Right. For one more mana to be able to say, hey, by the way, everything that you're playing, artifact and enchantment-wise, it's going to cost you a little bit of attacks. That is staggering. The most, uh, you know, go look at all of the themes on EDA Trek. The most highly played theme is Artifact. Yeah, we love Artifacts. So, so the idea of, by the way, all of these mana rocks, all of these win conditions for some decks, the the biggest type of theme that is on EDH Rec, all of it's going to cost you two more. And so all of your enchantments. And by right. the way, if you do get something on there, I might blow it up if it's good. So you really just have to remove this before you can do anything. And also hope that you don't have anything on the board that they're going to blow up out of spite. Or of Silence is very good. I want to hit this one more time. And I, I realize our, our listeners have the message here. Like, yes, this yeah. is scary. And the two abilities synergize together and it's a rattlesnake. But let's really dive in to why this is specifically so devastating. And that's because the best way to get rid of a rattlesnake is to bait it. Right? You have to get the rattlesnake to bite. And then you can move in for the kill. Or it destroys itself, right? So you want the controller of R of Silence to activate the ability to destroy the artifact or enchantment. So then you can play the real artifact or enchantment that you actually wanted to play, just like a counterspell, right? Well, here's the problem with that. The bait costs two more. So you have to overcommit just to bait it out, which is so devastating, Mike. Yep. Yep. It's... it's the counterspell, on top of that, you know, we've said it a thousand times, the best counterspell is the one that you don't have to play because people know about it, so you counter more spells than you would have. This is one of those things where uh, I don't want to play this thing because then I can play it and they might just destroy it anyway. And if literally more than one person says that, then this is a counterspell that's just an enchantment. Yeah. That's just chilling on the board. And it's a very that's the kind of stuff thing. that really hurts. Absolutely. Really hurts. Uh, let's move on to something that hurts a less definitely less um but in totally different ways archon of ameria two generic and a white for a two three archon with flying 
each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. Non-basic lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tap. You want to talk about stacks. Let's go slower yeah. and let's not have anything that is not a basic do anything immediately. This that is the be... right Ooh. to flourishing for stacks, right? Everyone, okay. everyone in the game wants to cast spells and they want to play their lands. And this card says, no, no, no. You cast one spell per turn and your lands enter tapped. So the game is grinding down. Literally mm -hmm. everything is happening one turn slower in the best case. And if you're a spell slinging deck or a cantrip deck trying to sling out a bunch of spells each turn, this card is absolutely going to wreck you. Oh, absolutely. Our, this is I first of all, I really like the rights of flourishing but in stacks. I love I love that. Oh, thank you. Uh that metaphor. Simile? Uh, I don't remember. I, it's it, been a while it'd since be I've been English class. Yeah. Okay. Um I, I like it a lot. Um, this card, however, <laughs> because you you say uh, magic players like to cast spells and have their lands enter, and EDH players are very specific about don't blow up my lands. That's not cool. We've got a pretty much... A, we have a social contract yeah. that lands are some... If you're doing land destruction, you better say something about that because no one wants that to happen to them right. accidentally or on surprise. And by the way, if you say something about it, there's also a decent chance that you're going to be targeted first, even if you're not the threat, because you're the one who might destroy my world. Um, Archon of Ameria, yeah, I, I love casting lots of spells. I like value. I like playing lots of lands. So this is one of those ones that does get pretty rough. Um, Alex, I, I, I took Veteran Explorer from you, so I thought I'd, it would be good for, especially since you're the one who got to tease it a little bit before. Why don't you move on to our last card here? Sure, Mike. Opposition Agent is quite possibly the strongest stack spell printed in years. Mm -hmm. Perhaps if it is second to anything, it would be second only to Hole Breacher, but I think this is the stronger one. Opposition Agent 2 in a black for a 3-2 human rogue with Flash. Flash is the big one. You control your opponents while they're searching their libraries. If it ended there, it would still be one of the best axe pieces ever made. But it keeps going. While an opponent is searching their library, they exile each card they find, which is to say that you do. You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled... That's after Opposition Agent leaves the battlefield. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast them. Mike, this card probably shouldn't exist. This is so utterly devastatingly powerful. This is the ultimate, ultimate anti-tutor card. We've seen Aven Mind Sensor. We've seen other cards stranglehold that's, uh, that prevent players from looking in their library. But none of them can even touch Oppo Agent, Mike. It's better than Avon Mind Sensor in literally every way, except for I guess flying. If you really want to, if you really no, want to try it's and better find than something. Mind Sensor. Well, it's, it's black. okay, but let's yeah. But here, here's my point. That's also part of it. So, white versus black. Yeah. Black is a better color in our format by far. 3-2 versus a 2-1. It's already got more toughness. Both have flash. You get control, 
and you get to pick versus they only get to pick the top right. four. It's so silly because the other thing that you can do is just fail the find. You can't, you can fail the find with Aven Mind Sensor, but sometimes you're going to get lucky. Opposition Agent, if they use a land, if, if it's an evolving wild, it's okay. You're not going to find one. Keep going. It's such a rough card for three mana and woof a That's the thing. Why, why would you fail to find? Because whatever you get, you're getting for yourself. And taking right. it from them, even if you never get to play it or don't have a use for it, you basically are yeah. bribing a card out of their deck and they're never going to see it again. Because it's play, not cast. And yeah. and, and I, I get it. I just The worst case scenario for Opposition Agent is still the best case scenario that you're going to get with Aven Mindset. Exactly. And that's insane to me for a card that is valued at the same mana cost. And still better in every single way. Except, again, flying, That's, I guess. I think we can safely call this a strict upgrade. And we we talked at length when this card came out in our Commander Legend set review. Just about how frustrating it is to uh, see cards like this get printed in mm-hmm. colors like black that are already extremely powerful and dominant in the format. However, it exists. And as long as it exists, Mike, this is... A phenomenal stacks piece. One of the best ever made. The last card I'll I'll talk about here is the partner to Oppo Agent, and that's Hullbreacher. Um, If you think Oppo Agent isn't the best stacks piece in the game, it might be Hullbreacher. Two and a blue for a Merfolk Pirate 3-2 with Flash. If an Mm -hmm. opponent would draw a card, except for the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, instead, you create a treasure token. Now, Hmm. as Oppo Agent is a strict upgrade to from Aven Mind Sensor, which is a white card. Hull Breacher is a strict upgrade from uh, Smothering Tithe, which yeah. is a great for white, great white card that was printed just a couple of years ago. And it's been going in every white deck since then for months and months. And we just love that card. Great card. Hope Reacher kind of just blows that right out of the water, Mike. And nope. it's it's just why? Why did they make <laughs> this card? Why is it so good? And specifically, why is it so much better than the white version of it again? I don't have an answer. I never will. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm 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 reveling in these cards and the fact that we're going to talk about one more of these than all of the other ones. So we've got to move on. Let's move on to something more or... more palatable for Mike here, our politics yeah. theme. And ah. there are some very interesting cards in this, in this uh, theme, but specifically this theme tends to focus on effects like voting. And yep. table decisions. So, Mike, let's hear about some of these politics commanders. They only have three listed. They only have three listed, and one of them I just kind of disagree with. <laughs> um, so, we start with Kenrith. We're not going to go into full detail. Kenrith sure. is a political 
uh, commander because a they're a king, they're human noble. Sure, why not? Also because they do literally everything. So and fun. can do everything to any player or permanent. Yes, so totally very political sense. commander. The next one that they have is Aloro, Ageless Aesthetic. Okay, Aloro's a life gain commander, Mike. Yeah. At that, I, I'm not sure how this works, but uh, probably because it's I, in uh, it's in Sultai, and Sultai is the political wedge, right? Like, well, then I'll tell you what, Aloro, take a look at him. Life gain deck. Yeah. Let's talk about another Sultai deck that I actually do agree oh, with somewhat. Yes. Uh, and hey, let's talk politics. Politics is something we like to play. Alex and I agree. Politics is great. By the way, here are the three commanders. One of them does everything. One of them, not really a political commander as far as we're concerned. And the third one, one of the saltier cards that exists. Uh, send triplets. Mm. Uh, two generic and Sultai for a 3-3 legendary artifact creature, human wizard. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. This turn, that player can't play spells or activated abilities and plays with their hand revealed. You can play cards from that player's hand this turn. Wow. Ugh. Like, this card is, this is one of the commanders that when you see it, it's it's kind of a kill on sight kind of thing, right? Because Oh, gr- oh you- this and Grand Augustine are both yeah. commanders that I'm like, I, I, I do not think that we are going to be friends. Right. I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't see it in the cards, friend. Wow, what a powerful, powerful commander. Um, so there aren't that many commanders that are listed as politics commanders, but mm-hmm. this is a archetype that can be supported by many different commanders. Um, yeah. Well, the one I did want to I did want to bring yeah. up, and I'm kind of I, I totally understand that it's new, is because it's literally been weeks, not even months or years. But Brina the Demagogue, All right? It's is Brina the Demagogue like one of the most political commanders that's out there right now? Almost certainly. Okay, so uh, again, we've talked about her before because awesome, but. One generic white-black for a 1-3 flying bird warlock. Whenever a player attacks one of your opponents, if that opponent has more life than another of your opponents, that attacking player draws a card, and you put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control. Great. It's very cool. That's, that's Gahiji right there, but in Orzov yeah. or Silver Quill. I... It, this and I, there's, like you said, there's plenty of commanders that can be played as a political aspect. I heck my my Vivictus deck, I play it as a political you deck as do. much as I can. Watch her vods. He does. I I want to give everybody like, unless there's something that absolutely no that thing needs to go away. I like to let people pick more times than not. I almost play it like a political chaos deck. If if anything, I want I want people to flip things over. I want awesome stuff to happen but i want the game to i want the game to move forward and extend as opposed to just stay static or to shut somebody out and that's not necessarily a card that i see anywhere on here politics is much more about the the way that you play your deck than the commander itself is kind of what i'm i'm thinking at this point right now, but in the 99. <laughs> in the 99, things get interesting. Now, in our most recent episode about mechanics, we did talk about 
uh, two of the primary uh, ability words that are going to show up on a lot of these cards, and that's Will of the Council and Council's Dilemma. These are both from Conspiracy 1 and 2, which are mm-hmm. political uh, sets that have this everybody votes or everybody makes a decision. So let's go down a few of these. But uh, really, we, we did talk about uh, talk about this mechanic quite recently. For example, Council's Judgment. Uh, we we did just talk about this one. One white white for a sorcery. Will of the Council. Starting with you, each player votes for a non-land permanent you don't control. Exile each permanent with the most votes or tied for the most votes. Sure. Um, this is not just political, but one of the best removal spells ever printed. Mm-hmm. Um, love that one. Absolutely. We have uh, some interesting cards that you don't see in very many decks because no. they only work with cards that involve voting so mm-hmm. let's look at a couple of these mike let's look at uh yeah there's I, i'll be honest yeah. there are i don't know that i've ever seen any of these cards they really only work if your deck is specifically a it voting has deck. to be yeah which is the, the more i'm looking at it something that would be awesome to play right um but yeah let's start with the first one illusion of choice which awesome name for a Great card name. very happy about it uh, this is a one blue instant that says you choose how each player votes this turn. Draw a card. That could be a really good cantrip. Yeah, it, if your deck Holy cow. has voting spells in it, uh, and you're casting say expropriate, and you want to say have everybody vote for time instead of money, and you take see, four extra turns. See, that's awesome. Where my head went to first was. I would like to cast a four mana council's judgment. Where you pick And I'm going to exile four things. (laughs) That's gross. That's really something, Mike. I'm going to exile four things. Also, I will draw a card. Yikes. Um, We also have Brago's representative and ballot broker, both effectively the same card. And they say, while voting, you'll vote an additional time. Mm Mm-hmm. For a one four and two three creature human, they're both they're both two and a white. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, sure, okay. Voting additional times that's pretty cool. I like it. I think making a voting deck would be kind of cool. I don't know it would how good it would be. It's it's not really about how good it would be for me. It's about yeah. There aren't really enough voting effects in the game specifically that are relevant to commander that are worth playing. And I said this last episode, I'll say it again. We need another conspiracy style set with the politics, with the deals and the backstabbing. That's the best kind of set that I love. But Mm -hmm. let's look at uh, a few of these cards that do have voting. But goodness, uh, I don't think that they are really strong enough to see play in most cases. Like this is an interesting one. Grudge Keeper. For one mm-hmm. and a black, a zombie wizard 2-1. Whenever players vote, each opponent who voted for a choice you didn't vote for loses two life. Yeah. Interesting. It's very minor. It's it's minor, but it is interesting. Like it this is why I kind of want to do make like a voting deck, because that does seem kind of okay. Great. I'm gonna do a little bit of damage. That makes sense. Alright, fair enough. Um, and then here's one more that we didn't talk about, but I wish we had. 
uh, Friend mm-hmm. or Foe, which was a cycle yeah. from Battle Bond, one of my favorite sets to play and draft. Uh, Mike, you want to tell us about some of these Friend or Foe cards? Yeah, uh, so we're going to start with Purr's Whim here. A three generic and a green for a sorcery that says, for each player, choose Friend or Foe. Each friend searches their library for a land card, puts it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffles their library. Each foe sacrifices an artifact or enchantment they control. Love it. It's very good. And my issue with these is... We'll get into this with the next one, because I... I, Again, this is my love for lands. Even when I'm playing my lands deck, I'm weird. I want everybody to do all of their stuff. I want everybody to explode. I want all of the craziness... So Purr's Whim, I usually just read this as a four-mana tempting offer. <laughs> That's <laughs> but interesting. I'm, but I'm going to do it for everybody. Everybody, you know what? Here you go. We're all going to go get a land. We're going to get our best land, put it on the battlefield. Unless somebody really is the arch enemy. Like, they have to be the arch enemy, and they have to have one thing that is being a problem that I can blow up. Or, more more importantly, have them sacrifice for me to ever want to actually choose for somebody to be hit by this card on the other way. Now, Mike, I incidentally love this cycle and I love Piers Whim. And uh, while we're reading this, we may as well read its closest analog, Temp with Discovery. Just oh, sure. three and a green for a sorcery. Uh, search your library for a land card and put it on the battlefield. Each opponent may do the same. And for each opponent who does you will do the same again. Mm -hmm. So you can get up to four lands, and each player may take up to one land. Um, For a time, some people were arguing that Piers Whim is much better than Temp with Discovery, but I think that it's really two different options. Because Temp with Discovery has a very high ceiling and a very low floor, but neither of those are necessarily going to happen every time. You could get right. all four lands, and that's a really good. You might win the game if you get four lands off of it. Oh, but yeah, you, you probably should. What could also happen is your pod could do the command zone thing, the command zone strategy, where they all go get their strip mines and blow all your lands up, which is very mm-hmm. mean. So that has the chance of happening. However, with Piers Whim, that can't happen but you also are not going to get four lands. However, you do have this new dynamic when in Piers Win because with Temp with Discovery, yes, it does have that higher high, but you are very much at the mercy of the table as to what actually happens. Piers Win flips that dynamic completely. You make all of the decisions for Piers Win. You decide who gets a land. You decide who sacrifices an artifact or enchantment. And as you go around the table making these decisions, it's very interesting to see how players either preempt that or react to it. It's interesting how players will argue their case because I think every player wants to get the land, right? No player mm-hmm. wants to sacrifice their artifact or their enchantment um, unless they're in an artifact deck that likes to sacrifice artifacts, in which case right. maybe you just get them the land, right? Um I guess I it I I see the upside of this card if it's okay. I think this is where I take off. I'm going to cast a 4 mana get my best land out of my deck and everybody else is going to sacrifice an artifact or enchantment. 
that's great. just the thing, though. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. But the thing is, is that if it's not that way, and I'm not casting it that way, me as a person, rather than somebody who's kind of scanning the board, I don't like the idea of giving everybody value unless the only person that I'm really hindering is either the arch enemy or someone who is really being oppressive. This is one of those... Mm -hmm. I, I even get that this is a card that I should cast and then say, who wants to be a friend? Exactly. That's and my I question. I get it. But, oh, it, it's so You really rough. just take the screws to him. Like, hey, I would love to give all of you some freelance. However, I have not been very happy with some of the moves that Mike has been making over there. And I'm concerned that I'm going to have to make him sacrifice that fat, juicy artifact. Like, how can we turn this around, Mike? What can we do? What can sure. you do for me, Mike? Like, that's the kind of dynamic where I love it in the game because it's not real, right? I'm not actually manipulating people in real life. I'm not hurting people. Right. And in the game, we're just having a grand old time. Like, oh, Mike, sure. Mike's squirming in his seat and, and Alex is on the on the upper ground here and can make Mike basically do anything to avoid having to sacrifice his biggest thing. Um, mm -hmm. It's just my kind of card, Mike. No, it's... Again, I don't dislike it at all. It's just one of those cards that I'm... Well, I'll tell you what. It, we're, we're talking about a couple more cards in this than we normally... Or than we probably planned on. And I kind of want to talk about something else that's friend or foe that I really like. Okay. Um, so, Vertus's Maneuver. Two generic and a black for a sorcery that says, For each player, choose friend or foe. Each friend returns a creature card from their graveyard to their hand. Each foe sacrifices a creature they control... There is so much aristocrats. The aristocrats, I think, was the second highest theme. Very popular. Uh, as far as the listed yeah. ones. Uh, graveyard recursion. All of this other stuff. The idea of having a card that's just, hey, I'll tell you what. You put that back in your hand. Or, sorry, if you want to put that back in your hand, you can... That thing needs to be sacrificed, and that thing needs to be sacrificed. Because there's so many commanders that do not ever need to be... <laughs> they don't need to be in combat for them to be very oppressive or a problem. Right. There's a lot of decks that I need to figure out a way to make that thing go away. Ah, I'm going to make them sacrifice it. That feels much better to me, and for one less mana, which is pretty nice. I don't feel like I'm giving potentially game ruining uh choice and power to the people that i choose friend where i could with purr's whim where it's oh you got a cabal coffers that is not something that i knew you had in your deck but i probably should have assumed i guess dang i really wish i could have just said so you just, can put this you're creature trying to back. avoid the blowout and you're willing to make uh to to run a more mellow card in the cycle for that trade-off yeah because it's just I sometimes I I the upside of making somebody sacrifice a creature they control versus the upside of somebody sacrificing an artifact or enchantment they can control. They're close enough to me. In a, you know, a, like outliers aside, it sometimes enchantments and artifacts are absolutely a problem, and the only way to get rid of them is to sacrifice. I guess sometimes a creature is a problem, and you're not really getting get. You have more options to get rid of a creature. But that also means that you have to have the right card for it. The downsides are 
the downside of Vernus's maneuver going against me is lower. And that's all. Okay. Mike, I have one more card I'd like to talk about. Um, not sure. in the cycle. But I think that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about scheming symmetry. Sure. For a single black mana sorcery, choose two target players. Each of them searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. Mm-hmm. This is a very good card. Right up my alley. Yeah, it's 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 a very good card. Hey, who wants to be a friend? Great. You and I are going to go get the best card in our deck. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I, or I, I'm going to need love you it. to go get a board wipe. Yeah. And... Hey, we could agree that this is a problem, right? right? Okay, great. I don't have a board wipe that's going to work. But you Do might. Do you? Yeah. Cool. Let's go. Um, Scheming Symmetry is one of those cards that when it came out, I got very, very excited. Just great card. And and, and like mo- and, and unlike a lot of the things in Magic, I didn't get it get excited and then go, oh, this isn't as good as I'd like. It's literally just been fun. It's absolutely as time. good as you would think. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so I'll tell you what, Alex. Yeah. I, I, I teased it a little bit during our break. There's been one card. It showed up in every single thing that we talked about as far as the like cards that play well with it. In everything except for Chaos. And I think it's just because it's not a red card. Okay. Edric Spymaster of Trest has showed up in every single one of these cards. Really? Yeah. And I kind of get it. Despite the fact that I don't think that anybody who actually plays an Edric deck does so to get these kind of effects. So Edric Spymaster of Trest. One generic green blue for a 2-2 elf rogue legendary creature that says whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. And I get it, because if I'm playing group hug, great. I want to give lots of people cards. Makes sense. It's in my group hug deck. If I'm playing politics, I absolutely want all my opponents to hit each other. Mm-hmm. I want to be cool. They're not going to get a benefit from hitting me. Why would you hit me? Go draw some cards, man. I kind of get the stacks, I guess. If you're playing... I, I think you'd have to be playing Bant more than just Simic uh, if you're looking for a stacks deck. But the ability to keep cards in hand, to have answers to... Whatever. Fine. I could see it. And I understand why it's not in Chaos. But the only time I've ever seen this deck played... <laughs> is always when you're looking at somebody who's playing the cheapest one-mana evasion creatures that they possibly can to just outvalue and get tons of cards. And I was really surprised to see it in such diverse types of themes. I I don't know. Does it surprise you that it's in all of these themes? It does a little, but uh, Edric, Spymaster is just a generically extremely useful and powerful card. Oh, absolutely. Um, as a commander, he's absolutely dominant. Edric Flying Man is one of the strongest decks in our entire format. Mm-hmm. Simic is arguably the strongest color pair in our entire format. And drawing cards for each creature that deals damage is a phenomenal effect. 
and you're directing hate away from yourself. It really is the whole package. And yeah. uh, it only three mana. It's 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 a very good uh, again, it, it also falls into that it can do so many good things mm-hmm. and so many interesting things. But it's also a commander that can do one very, very oppressive thing and yeah. is very infamous for doing it. So it's another how much do I actually trust this person when they say, oh, don't worry, it's not that type of Edric Now, if you've deck. never seen that type of Edric deck, uh, Edric Flying Man. A Flying Man is a 1-1 flyer for one. And turns out there are actually a lot of creatures in green and blue that are 1-1 flying or unblockable for one. Yep. Um, and if you swing in, you're dealing damage, you're drawing a card. And yep. You're drawing a and lot drawing of cards. More of those. Drawing more of those, <laughs> and probably drawing some extra turn spells. Um, yeah, Edric Flyman is extremely, extremely powerful. It's very low to the ground, um, which means it has a despite low being very value. high in the air. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're too much. Uh, that is an interesting observation, Mike. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad that we got to talk about um, all of these different cards in these archetypes that are in our wheelhouse. And I know that you personally are not the biggest fan of uh, stacks. And... I appreciate the knowledge and history of the game regardless. Right. Though. So Alex, I, I, I'm with you. I was happy to talk about these cards and the high synergy and the types of decks that we lean towards. Uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and talk to you about these cards or just about anything else in EDH, how would they find you? Absolutely. Mike, they can find me on Twitter at Lappermedic, L-A-P-P-E-R-M-E-D-I-C. Or you can email me directly at alex at edhrec.com. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and rate the podcast. Uh, we have a Discord link in our show we notes. Do. If you want to be able to communicate with Alex, myself, other people that enjoy this kind of conversation, great. Come on over. Um, with that, you can submit cards for our, ooh, can I see that segment? We actually love trying to find more little hidden gems uh, in EDH. And, of course, Alex, a judge, if you have a judge question, sometimes it's cool to kind of ask and see if it gets put on the podcast. And also, we like getting questions. Most of the time, I don't know the answer, but at least I know somebody who does. Uh, really? You can also ooh. follow us. Uh, well, that's you. Oh. Uh yeah, sorry about that. I, I know we haven't, like, leaned into that uh, this episode. I only asked you, like, 12 questions about how things work okay, as, as opposed okay. to our, our traditional 20. But you can also follow us on Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed our dive into the themes of decks that we play, and we'll talk to you next week.